Good morning. It is Monday, December 2nd, 7.42 a.m. I hope y'all had a good week. I know I did. It's been hella busy. Very grateful. Very glad to be doing what I love, but man, it's a lot of damn work. So yeah, I have been making these crowns and I finished a sweater and then last night I had, I don't know why I said yes to this, it's so weird. I said yes to making this extra thing for this person and I should have said no because I felt like a little Geppetto or something like the, you know, the toy maker in Pinocchio. Just, I don't even know why I feel like Geppetto. <laughs> but I do. I, you know, I resented making this extra item because there's so much other stuff I could have been doing with that t- extra nine hours of production time that it took. Um, you know, I could have been finishing my crowns, making a garment etc etc and so yeah I just I I executed it I did my best to make it with love and there were some enjoyable moments in the process but yeah I just don't like to be told to make something I realize I really don't like it um, I have done it a few times And I think I've just been told what to do (laughs) so much that I, you know, you know, my past that I just, I can't, I'm just like at a a breaking point with that right now. Um, So yeah, there's so much other stuff I want to do. And I really just, I really don't want everything to just be available to people all the time either you know just it's it's what I decide to make when I make it and that's that's what the product is and get it while you can so that's exciting you know I don't like anything that makes me feel like a little fish and I'll never be a big kahuna if I keep doing that stuff Anyway, um, so yeah, on Tuesday night, I went with Anne to the opera, and it was the first time I'd ever been to the opera. It was at the San Francisco Opera House, I guess, on uh, Venice Street. Uh, This is the one that was built after the earthquake destroyed the original opera house, which I believe was located near, right near the Palace Hotel the one where Caruso sang I believe it was Carmen was the last performance there uh, Tuesday night's performance was of Menon Lesco and it was a uh, by Puccini it was based on an 18th century kind of buoyant pot boiler romp farce was conducted by Nicola Luis Luis Soto. Luis, bleh, bleh. Let me try again. Nicola Luis Soto. 
and he did an amazing job. What can I say? It was really great watching the orchestra. We were, we were up there, but you know what? All the seats were good. There was really not a bad seat in the house. The, the opera house is designed so everyone gets a good, a fair shake. Uh, Minot was played by Liana Haratunian. She's hails from Armenia. And then Chevalier de Gru, uh, I believe this one, there were two different guys singing the parts, like, you know, like, well, this, you know, this opera, this particular performance, I believe we got Brian Jagde, Jagde, Brian Jagde. Um, he, you know, they were all, everyone was rather, well, somewhat portly, um, (laughs) but you know what, that's, that's part of the fun, that was part of the fun, um, of course you had to suspend your disbelief just a little bit that, uh, the woman playing Manon was just a girl of 15, um, but you know, she she looked great. Everyone was beautiful. The costumes were very well appointed. I was very much more in awe of the sets. The set design the set design was just incredible. I was really inspired by the second scene where the second act where Minon basically has a sugar daddy and there's her boudoir is this kind of like lapis everything is lapis colored everything with little hints of white or kind of more like a dove gray and white palette and it was just so beautiful I I just wanted to kick everyone off the stage and just cuddle in the bed by myself or something (laughs) yeah I mean with somebody would have been weird on a stage you know what I mean but just to lay down on the stage would be nice. Um, but it was, it was so beautiful, and I really enjoyed it. So basically, if you don't know the premise of Menon, uh, she is a young, you know, nubile teen who is being sent to a convent school, possibly to become a nun. And... As her brother is kind of trying to send her off in the town square, that's right when she meets this young poet and they fall in love. But then at the same note, she's uh, wooed by this, <laughs> she's wooed by this much older man, like probably like the wealthiest man in the town or something. And she goes to live with him. And she's taken in by all the spoil, you know, the spoiling and the jewels. And this opulent lifestyle. He's turning her into a fine, elegant, if not... What's the word? If not frivolous woman. So turning her into his ornamental plaything so to speak. And she's leaning into it. And then uh, 
Chevalier de Gru, he uh, sneaks into her window and they run away together and there's all these consequences and it's it ends in a very very melodramatic tragedy um which the the final song is of Manon's swan song for example is is uh, so beautiful it's very nihilistic you know they show you the lyrics up there you know on this kind of this long short screen a narrow screen I guess and you know it's just like you know I welcome death and there's nothing here for me and all this stuff and um, I don't know it reminded me like it could have been easily been like a Joy Division song or something Anyway, I really enjoyed it. Before the show, we went to go eat at Absinthe. Um, It's a really kind of... We got there right before the theater crowd. It's kind of a bustling, Bellapoke-styled restaurant in Hayes Valley. One of the more atmospheric ones. A lot of those Hayes Valley restaurants are kind of hack jobs, you know? just barely holding it together in a way I kind of had I catched you know I caught a whiff of hackery uh at absinthe as well in that we were sitting at this table but granted it was 5 15 p.m we were seated at this table right next to these wine reps that were had their laptops out and had their or having their wine meeting and they were most uncouth and I was just like first of all it's too late for y'all to be here and secondly you're you're fools I can't believe that we're drinking wine that you that you shilled to this restaurant you know um one of the wine reps knocked over Ann's umbrella but but he did it he didn't do it accidentally he got up and pushed it into her and then like loudly knocked it over and felt him pushing it into her and when she she turned around, he's like, I tripped. Anyway, uh the food was was decently serviceable. It was it wasn't anything to, you know, write home about. We had uh, you know, some beef tartare and French onion soup. It was a good thing for a cold, rainy night. Um I'm sure there's worse places to go. I overall I, I enjoyed it. The but yeah, it it's more about the atmosphere in there, you know. And the theater cart uh, crowd started, you know, lumbering in. And the people watching at the theater was amazing. Um, just all these old socialites. I mean, we're we're talking some of them in their nineties. They appeared to be in their nineties, and that's after plastic surgery. So many insane insanely, you know, encrusted, bejeweled, bedazzled, velveted, you know, I could go on. And then there were a lot of people who were not socialites that did not dress 
I felt I felt they dressed inappropriately for the opera. You know, um, there was this one girl in the bathroom. She couldn't have been more than 19 or something. And kudos to, to her for coming out to such a, you know, old bitty activity. But, um, yeah, I was, she was, I was like, what rock did she crawl out from under the poor little thing? She was wearing these kind of padded orthopedic sandals and there looked to be nothing wrong with her feet. Okay. And then she was wearing tan pantyhose, but they were not support hose or anything. And they were tan pantyhose. And then she had a mid calf length rayon skirt, like with a really trite print. And then a very frumpy out of style top. I'm delightfully out of style. That was probably never in style to begin with in a conflicting print. And I was like, wow, this is really taking, you know, ironic fashion just a bit too far. But then I realized she wasn't being ironic. She was probably just a deeply sheltered nerd or something, maybe raised by her great grandmother, you know, um, she actually reminded me of the character of uh, the main character uh, Camille in Now Voyager, played by Betty Davis. She had that you know, sheltered spinster in training look, but I was fascinated. I did see one person I knew there, though. I saw Talon, who is a very fashionable ballet lover is a friend of Rose's and uh, it was great to see him he was wearing a champagne mink coat over a champagne silk blouse and he had rhinestone vanity glasses on and it was very sweet so enough about that the main event I suppose was Thanksgiving I went to Thanksgiving at Taylor's house. It was so delicious. Uh, I focused on what I, I brought appetizers, spetzel and wine. And so, yeah, I made, I made a batch of deviled eggs cause I was like, well, you know, they're here. And then I did ham dip in these little lettuce things that I made. I was going to put them in this giant celery, put the hand dip in this giant celery, but the celery did not make it through the night. The celery, I got it from Gus's. It was about three feet tall and it wilted in the middle of the night. It was too big for my fridge, but I was planning on having these insanely tall, long stuffed celeries because I was like, wow, wouldn't that be excessive? Because I brought like a really large bottle of wine. I think it was like a magnum of, of red wine. It was real goofy. Um, so yeah, I ended up making ham dip anyway. And I used uncured prosciutto, two thingy-bobbers of cream cheese, and a dollop of mayo. And the mayo is just as a binder. Okay, and that really helps when you're mixing. You mix it by hand. You can mix it in a mixer, but I don't have a mixer. <laughs> so the mayo really helps kind of get things going with the consistency. And you chop up the, 
you chop up the uncured prosciutto really finely. So it's <clears throat> maybe, you know, it's like a little, we're talking millimeters here. And you add that and salt and pepper to taste and then a little, um, a little sprinkling of chives, chopped chives, and voila. And then you roll it into lettuce leaves, like a little, kind of like a little cup. And then you put a, like a quarter of a cherry tomato on top. Um, I think you could also do a beef dip if you really wanted to uh, with roast beef chopped finely. And I would add a little bit of Worcestershire sauce to it. Yeah, people are dying to know this recipe. Um, then I, of course, made the spetzel. And then I got there around three. And Burke, Taylor were there. Uh, Burke's friend Janine, sommelier extraordinaire was there. Mac showed up. I think Mac might have gotten there pretty shortly after. Um, then Jesse showed up, Jessica, to be clear, um, and then Leah showed up, and I know there are a couple other people, and we were just having a gay old time. Uh, Taylor put the turkey in. We had, there was a lavish spread of cheeses. Janine brought a bunch of wine from their winery where they, uh, where they work at, where they've worked at in Oregon. Now they're in Sonoma. And we just talked and laughed. Everyone looked great. Leah's hair was looking real good. It was kind of like Julie Christie style, <clears throat> kind of like a champagne ash. I guess champagne is the color of the season because the more fashionable people seem to be having pops of it everywhere. So yeah, it was great to catch up with her as usual. And then Jen showed up a bit later and she was wearing a really colorful psychedelic, like a multicolored paisley dress and then orange tights. And Jess was looking really nice too. It looks like they had gotten their hair done, cut short, kind of in a wedge haircut. It was nice to see them again. It was nice to see everybody. And then some people started coming that I don't recognize and I don't remember. One one of them I will not I will withhold my opinion. But if you want to know, you can text me later. Um, overall, it was a good feast. Lots of vegetables, well prepared. It was great, to, always great to see Taylor and Burke. They're a couple of my favorite people. Super entertaining and sweet, lovable. And I know at one point we're playing that game where you put the the name of your of a celebrity on your forehead but you don't know which celebrity it is and I lost pretty bad but I'm horrible at that game even though I mean I'm just horrible at it but it was it's I, I love to play 
I got Charles Manson and the, it was kind of a large round of people and I kept asking if I had any children and then I think the third time I asked I was just being a little stinker um, you know comes but once a year so I just had to um, and then I went home and then the next morning I did my after Thanksgiving sale I had a bag of stuff that was specifically for the sale so it didn't cut into my um, didn't cut into my stock Zelda came over we banged it out it was intense and then I went got my tree with Anne I got a little short and squatty tree it's about five almost five feet tall actually it's just very round and cute and I was so exhausted from doing the sale oh my god it it took me forever to trim my little tree because I was just I just wanted to lay down and go to bed it had been a really long day so yeah I went out with Irina to celebrate Pam's birthday on Saturday night uh, we kind of got off to a late start I usually have been going to bed around 11 and that's when we went out we went to the cat club and there was really good people watching there um, I go maybe every other year it seems I don't I'm not a regular there so to speak um, and yeah I got to wear my new sailor suit and my new coat and there was a lot of good dancing there Pam looked great everyone looked great uh, Pam had just gotten her hair done she's just got back from Japan and she had some really cool like eyeball like gruesome hair accessories to match her gruesome earrings which are these like little little dismembered hands with glitter in them looked fabulous uh, who else was there Noah um, yeah so we talked and danced there were a few a few people on the periphery I had not met before but looked somewhat familiar to me um, but yeah overall it was really you know all, all these goth people generally they are they work at these office jobs you know they're like office manager and they're you know they you know live for the weekend and so they're all dressed up like crazy um I remember going out to to goth clubs and industrial clubs when I was like 18 in Houston and you know I was never goth enough if only they knew you know I was at first really excited to meet these gothic people when I was young and I realized when you scratch the surface they don't know much the ones I mean I'm generalizing but the ones that I met back then in Houston to be clear didn't know much about literature particularly gothic literature so as someone who had been kind of a, a sheltered homeschooler I was very confused because they didn't even 
none of them had even read Frankenstein, which, or any of the Bronte sisters. <laughs> I thought that they would be into literature because Gothic literature is like a genre, you know? But yeah, they were, they were all about the fashion and they, they were not into classical music. I, I was, just, and they were also just, yeah, I found that to be vapid and superficial. Um, <clears throat> so it was, I realized shortly thereafter that it was like, oh, these are just like a bunch of dorks just parading around in expensive mass-produced clothing with lots of spandex in it. Carry on. But now, flash forward, anyone that still remains a goth, you know, same people, probably same type of people probably, but like, you know, in their mid-40s now, you know, putting on the goth gear. I'm like, hey, you, you've crystallized it into a, into a thing now. Now it's, now it's its own, you know, American subculture. You made it into an American thing, a way of letting off steam. So for that, I commend them. I know we all work really hard, regardless of what kind of books we read or what music we listen to. Um, yeah, so the dancing was fun. The dancing was good. Um, I ordered a Manhattan there and the person who made it had never made one before. And he had his, this, uh, he was, he was, he was a, he was a waifish thing. (laughs) But yeah, he had his, um, kind of like big mama help him show him how to make it. And she shook my Manhattan, <laughs> but she just gave it a quick, swift, you know, <laughs> which is fine. And then she drained, she strained it appropriately. And he actually did a pretty good job. The second, the second one I, I ordered and big mama was outside smoking, having a smoke. And I was concerned that he wouldn't make it right, but I just, I didn't say anything. I just kind of had facial expressions, you know, like, <laughs> um, a little grimace. Um, but then he made a, a really good Manhattan and that was right when big mama came back from her smoke break and he said, I made my first Manhattan. He's like a little baby bird. It was so cute. So that was funny. Um, there were like two cute guys there. But I just, I don't know. I just wasn't in a flirtatious mood or anything. Um, I wasn't dressed very feminine either. I was was just wearing my sailor suit. And I just, I just kind of wanted to dance and like not talk to anyone new. Um, At one point I was sitting down and like on the dance floor on these steps, you know. And this guy who was like. I don't know, in his 50s or something. He was wearing a t-shirt from the, the kinky coffee place in the Soma. It's like coffee, community, kink. And it's like a meetup for, it's like a meetup spot for if you're like on Fet Life, And, you know, you are looking for a dom or a sub. It's like a safe place to meet people. And meet people in the community. Um... I did go in there just on a novelty to order some green tea once and it was just like, eh, not for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, you know, I just wanted to see what it was like in there. Um, 
wicked grounds, I believe it's called, something like that. So he's wearing a, his wicked grounds t-shirt and he, you know, um, he had kind of a basement pallor to his skin and straggly mousy colored hair and he was had these like you know kind of like weird arthritis gloves and stuff and he was dancing just a little too close to where I was sitting and then he got, gave me a look he's got these like weird moon eyes and no chin and big jowls and he gave me a look and I was like I am not going to dominate you right now honey you gotta go he was looking for a dom it was it was cute it was cute but yeah, obviously a sub on a budget. <laughs> that was really funny too. He's like, I'm a sub on a budget. I'm going to put my little Wicked Grounds tee on. I'm going to get my bondage arthritis gloves going here. And I'm just going to hope for the best. Maybe I'll find a dominatrix of my dreams. But it ain't me, babe. Um, but yeah, it was cute. It was a cute moment. A lot of performative speech. Um, one of my favorite characters, which, you know how you can have kind of like a favorite character, but you honestly like would never deign to speak to them. Um, I'm changing, I'm, I'm, I'm changing his name even, but those who know will know who I'm talking about. Killian. Killian was there. Yeah. Um, Killian is works at a bank and I believe for a long time he worked at the Wells Fargo on mission at 23rd um, he's he he bounces from branch to branch um, he's not me too level but he is definitely a very aggressive hoe okay um, and by the way it's okay to be a hoe. Like, it's okay to... I think it's okay to be really promiscuous. Just as long as all parties involved know what they're getting into. I mean, fine, you know. But he has a tendency to, on top of being a hoe, um, he, you know, he kind of gives a, a big song and dance. So he's kind of like a, you know, a two-cent Casanova type of... Uh, and he started out kind of as like a like a small faces style rock look he's not a musician but you'd see him like at edinburgh castle he's got he has his hair a very specific way kind of like in a helmeted shag and then he wears a skinny suit a skinny tie um kind of doe-eyed you know so, you know, you see him over the years trying to make the time with ladies, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, oh, you know, ridiculous, ridiculous goober, but also kind of fascinating. Well, each year he gets a little bit more, his look hardens and solidifies. You know, it kind of has a, a vibe of kind of like Dorian Gray, but there's a crack in the, in the paint sort of thing. So each each year his look gets more sharp and more harsh. But maintaining like the same kind of you know, maybe like the next year he started to add eyeliner, for example. Or a metallic 
It's subtle. It's a subtle, it's a subtle transformation. Well, hot diggity dog, you know, I show up at the cat club and Mr. Killian now has a full face. His face is fully beat. I mean, he had it as gravity has taken his toll. (laughs) The brush becomes a chisel. Let's put it that way, because he he was you know he was still fairly probably still fairly attractive but he started to develop his chin started to recede a little bit and he started to get quite a round like a donut shaped goiterous extra chin it was starting to pop out and that had been finally dusted with a layer of dove gray powder and then his cheekbones were highlighted. I think he was influenced by Angelina in Maleficent. They were highlighted and delineated to the point where it looked almost skeletal. And then he had tons, he had a very, very smoky eye, a messy smoky eye. And his, his uh, shag helmet had been dyed a flame red. Um, it looked professionally dyed, honestly. Um, and then he was wearing a red suit and a purple man blouse. And the thing is, I think he probably got his suit from like a mid-level retailer, probably pink, that London pink thing. It had the look. I think he was going for maybe like a Paul Smith zombie look but you could definitely tell the suit was from from pink or something it did not look to be of h&m or something even though he has he i've seen him wear that kind of thing before but i'm just fascinated by his transformation his slow metamorphosis into this hardened man machine unit of flirtation and seduction he was with he was with a a uh, plump and pretty woman, goth woman, classic classic kind of kitsch hairspray style, you know, more of a cramps goth, you know. Um, and they were under the smoking tent, and as we were waiting for our car, I saw him stick out his bottom lip in a pucker to to give her a, a like a lipstick kiss and I caught it and I, he caught me staring at it there was some moment of the this like this vulnerability of I could see him performing you know performing uh, performing sweetness performing sincerity I caught him it was it was great um, because he's he's very affected. He reminds me of someone of kind of definitely from a an Oscar Wilde story or mixed kind of with someone from the French court. There's something about him. Does that mean he's a good person? Because I'm fascinated with him. Does that mean that he is um, someone that I would go on a date with? But I'm fascinated. 
So yeah, that was a thrill to see Killian out and about, um, working his magic, so to speak, the magic of seduction and l'amour. And fascinating to see the transformation of his looks over the years into what they have become. Kind of like an aged courtesan or something, you know? It's, life is kind of like an opera. So, and then there was another guy. Okay, there was a lot of, okay, let me back up. There's a lot of goth dancing going on. Um, There was some really bad goth dancing. um, And I call it uh, Wudis, white people taking up space where they basically don't know how to dance and then they just undulate around and they have really bad shoes usually the ones that dance bad it's like I feel like the better dancers were the older goths and they all had really good very good shoes they're better for dancing and the leather soles um so yeah I felt like yeah, there was a very angry secretary that was dressed in her goth gear. And, you know, it's a place for free expression, but also for free observations. So I'm giving you my free observations. Like, but, you know, there's like this one dance, it's kind of, I call it like a dying bat dance, where you kind of like, you flap your wings, your arms slowly, and then you put one arm, it's like a slow motion Macarena and then you kind of like dip down and you twirl. It's like the vampire, you know, vampiric, you know, presentation. <laughs> um, so there was that happening. And uh, she started in on it too much. And when you dance that bad in front of me, to dance that way is to is to be sir is basically she served herself she I think she tried to serve me but she got served just by dancing badly so I actually had to get out there and do my own dying bat dance which is it's perfection it's one of the few things I'm actually really you know into doing like that I'm it's probably one of the things that I'm really good at because it's just like it, I have a seamless I have a seamless twirl and I can do a low twirl. So I got out there and I showed him how it's done. So that was, that was fun. But I, you know, I stepped off the dance floor after I had done my piece because, you know, it's their night. It's their night. I'm not here to, to, you know, this is not a yoga class. I'm not here to correct your moves. Um, But, you know, I had fun. It was, it's always great hanging out with Arena and Pam. They're lovely ladies. Arena's one of my besties. I'm still getting to know Pam, um, but I definitely consider her to be a, a dear friend. And yeah, I went and I saw Dark Waters last uh, yesterday as a matinee. I needed to take a brain break from all the crap I have to do. <laughs> and... It was a Todd Haynes film starring Mark Ruffalo and uh, Anne Hathaway. And I'm a huge Anne Hathaway fan. Uh, I'm the only person who likes her. My friend Chris, I think that he is, he does not say anything disrespectful about her. It seems he likes her. He liked one of my tweets about her. 
Um, but I feel like, you know, when I talk about Anne Hathaway, people just don't understand and they don't care. And I, I do not understand it. I, why they do not like her. You know, she's so beautiful and she just throws herself into every role. I feel sometimes that people are a little jealous of her, you know. Uh, in this, she plays the wife of this environmental lawyer. And yeah, she killed it. She did an amazing job. Uh, Mark Ruffalo also did a great job. It's not, you know what? Todd Haynes, he loves these serious, you know, he's very influenced by Douglas Sirk. Um, If you see, what is it? No Place in Heaven or something like that. You know, he basically just toned down the lighting. He brings everything down to like a mid-glow lighting. So he just tones the lighting way down. And then voila! You know, so he he takes a Douglas Sirk film and he'll do that. So it had that toned down lighting. I think the farmer in the movie stole the show. And, and the story, it's a, based on a true story. It'll really stick with you. Uh, basically, plastic is so evil. I want to just get rid of every plastic thing I have. Go and see the movie because it tells, it, it succinctly tells the story, it, you know, of some, it's, a, it's a story that America needs to be informed upon. I wouldn't say that it's a great film, though. All right, I have got to get I have got to get to the shipping. It's just I have so much shipping to do because the sale was quite a success. So I'm gonna be booming out like 25, 30 packages today, and I gotta get on that. It's gonna take me all day. All right, I hope you all have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.